Hello, and welcome to the Speaking Out podcast from the New Mexico Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Our goal is to highlight our programs and the amazing work that they're doing around the state, provide discussion around the topics of domestic violence, and create an environment of education and empowerment for anyone that may be experiencing domestic violence. This week, we are spotlighting one of our newest staff members here at NMCADV. Join us for our conversation with our new administrative training coordinator, Yasmin Akin. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Yasmin. We're so excited to have you as a new staff member with the coalition. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and then maybe about the position that you hold with us? Yeah, and I'm excited to be here. I really am. (laughs) So I got hired on a fresh start this year, pretty much. So I'm from district court here in Roswell, and I was the domestic violence clerk for the court for fifth judicial district court. So I was the person intaking all the restraining orders when people were coming in to file them. Um, So I was a clerk for a few years on that. And that's where I got a lot of my experience. Other than that, I came from California before I was in Roswell. So I lived in California for 15 years and my dad moved us over here. So it's been a good time living here. I've enjoyed the work I've done and it's been really good. So what do you think is the most important aspect of your job that you hold now? I think the most important thing that I've been trained on so far that I will be doing is going to be probably the calls from people that call in looking for resources and help on how to go about it. Having worked at the court and being one of the first faces that people saw when they were filing the restraining orders, I think that's really important because people are put in a really tough position at that point. And I think having someone to talk to that is really going to guide them through it and offer them all these resources and where to find help and let them know that they're not alone in dealing with this is really important. So I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Yeah, that's such an important thing to bring up. So we are not a direct service provider, but we get people who call us all the time because they Google domestic violence and we come up and so they're calling and looking for help a lot of times so it's so wonderful to have somebody on the line that can give them the resources that they need and listen with empathy and yeah it's so important that you're doing that job and so thanks (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) so you mentioned that you were working for the courts prior to this. What made you want to get into this line of work? What made you want to start working in domestic violence? So I think because I was at the court and I did enjoy what I was doing when I was working with domestic violence and everyone that would come in looking for help, it's always something that I wanted to do working for a nonprofit organization, but just to work in domestic violence and a nonprofit organization together, I think that's really fulfilling for me because you're helping someone. You're not just going to work and doing something just to do it, you know, just to get a paycheck. This is actually doing some good out there and helping people that really need it and letting them know that there's a lot of places, a lot of resources that are willing to help and can help and will help them. So it really is fulfilling for me to do something like this. I'm really glad I'm with the coalition now. (laughs) What is something that 
we're doing here at the coalition that you're really proud of or excited about? I think on the first meeting that we had on that Monday that I got hired on that I was so nervous about <laughs> in the first place. But once we started, I was like, this is awesome. It was something that Melissa was talking about as far as the academy goes. It sounds amazing. It sounds like it's just going to join this whole world together of little pieces that are moving around that are not yet connected. I think it sounds really great and it's going to help a lot of people. It's going to help a lot of agencies in just putting this whole world together. I'm really excited to see how that takes off. So yes, this new CCR Academy that we are so excited to launch, we are trying to get everybody educated and informed about what it is that we're doing and all of that. So I'm really glad that you brought it up. I know we're just going to keep talking about it. So everybody stay tuned. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what part of the work is it that you're most passionate about? I know you mentioned that it's fulfilling and that you're looking forward to helping people looking for resources. Is that what you're passionate about? In my personal life, which always goes into a little bit your professional life, right? Because your personality shows through in that. But in my personal life, I am the friend that a lot of my friends come to whenever they need help as far as talking to someone for help. What's your opinion? What do you think I should do? Working for the courts, I knew a lot of people. I knew a lot of attorneys. I knew a lot of judges. You build connections working for the court. And I think that's one of the things that drives me in this is that I want to be the person that actually gives somebody help when they're looking for it and they don't know where else to go. If it's either me researching something online for a few days, for a few hours, I'll do it for somebody that needs it. If it's finding one of my connections and seeing if they can help, I'll do that for them. I like to be the person that actually does something for someone. And that means a lot to me. I don't know if it's just I do that in part also for myself because it makes me feel good knowing I help somebody. But I do like to be the person that gets them to where they need to go and maybe offers them some help. Doesn't always 100% work, <laughs> but when I do, it, it feels really good to know that you help somebody in a way that not everybody else could. So I think that counts a lot for me. Yeah, I think most people get into this line of work because they're that way. They tend to be the advocates in their friend group or their families and like they're, yeah, yeah and so that they have a passion for helping others and it's just kind of a natural next step so you great. care about it yeah for sure so my next question is if you could make one change for the survivors in New Mexico what would it be I think maybe it would be the spread of information of where to find all the help you need exactly and have just one source that has everything else on it. So has all the resources you need and how to contact them, where to go for them, all locations, maybe anything like that. Because I feel like we do have a lot out there, but the more people know, the quicker they have the ability to access it as well. Yeah, it can be really difficult, especially in the rural communities where they don't have access to as many resources. It's nice to make sure that they're knowledgeable about what they do have and how to access those services. Yeah, for sure. So my next question is, if you could choose one aspect of domestic violence 
awareness to highlight, what would it be and why? Okay, and I'm not sure if this is necessarily the question you're asking, but I would say social media presence for domestic violence awareness. I think a lot of people that haven't necessarily experienced it themselves, it's not something they really think about until they're faced with it directly, or maybe someone that they really care about or love, you know, a family member or anything like that. So I think it'd be really cool to see, say you're on Facebook or something like that. You know how you see those ads all the time about random stuff that you don't even need to buy in the first place. It's awesome that we see domestic violence awareness just telling you that if you happen to need it, it's here. Like you're not alone. You're going to be in a really difficult spot for a bit, but we can help you find the resources you need so that when somebody is faced with something like domestic violence, they automatically, it snaps to their mind. They're like, hey, I saw that on Facebook that one time or on Instagram or on Snapchat or wherever it may be that they know exactly where to go to find help. It's not like they're even going to be lost for a day or two trying to figure out what they're going to do. They automatically know where to find help to be able to get through it. So because everybody has some kind of social media, I am not one of those people, but I do have Snapchat. I'll say that much. So I'm like, everybody at least has one thing they're on most of the time. So it's really refreshing to see that we're on there as well because we have a Facebook too. So people know that they can get trainings too. We have a website that has a ton of resources. They can call us if they need us. So I think that's a really cool part of it right there. Yeah, obviously as a communications person, I'm very passionate about using communications to get out there and and to talk about domestic violence. So I completely 100% agree. And it is a challenge, you know, for our programs who don't necessarily have the funding to just hire a communications person to do all this social media for them. But social media, like you said, most people are on it in some capacity. And so we should be trying to reach people there. We should be trying to educate people there. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. Yet again, Rochelle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I always, everybody that, you know, I talk to, whatever they choose, I'm like, yes, let's talk about it. And like, what I love is everybody has their own answer. Almost nobody has the same exact answer. So it's nice that we get to just talk about all these different things. Yeah, for sure. It's important stuff. So my last question is meant to be just kind of the fun one to wrap up. You know, the work that we do can be very difficult and it's very important that we take care of ourselves and our mental health and take care of all of our health, right? So that we can keep doing the work that we do. So what do you do to take care of yourself? I am big on food. So I love to cook. Cooking is my de-stressor. But I try very hard to make sure that the ingredients that I'm putting into the meals that I make for myself and my family, and I cook a lot for my friends too, we have people over a lot, are good ingredients. Because I've had some health issues over the past couple of years, and I'm just, I've thought to myself, man, if I can really do something to make sure that I'm taking care of myself from what I can do. Because there's certain things that sometimes people can't control, you know, but for what I can control, what I'm putting into my own body, I like to make sure that I'm taking care of myself in that way. So I like to cook with a lot of 
healthy stuff. I try to stay away from a lot of sugar and processed stuff. My kids hate it, but they have gotten used to it. <laughs> from time to time, I'll let them indulge in stuff. But we try to just really stick to eating a healthy diet because I think when you're eating really saturated, processed and sugary foods, you really feel it. You start feeling it even after just one day. Man, if I go out and eat Burger King and McDonald's just for one day, the next day, even just that night, I'll start feeling it. I'll be like, I just need to take a nap and not wake up. <laughs> so it's one of those things that as long as the food is good, then you're going to feel good. And that's really important for me and my family. Yeah, I think a lot of us forget that's the fuel for our body. Yeah, I think that is a really important aspect of taking care of ourselves. Is there any activities or anything that you do to relax or let down or have fun? Like, what do you like to do? So I was in the swimming team when I was in California for about six years. And I love swimming. I still love swimming, but I live in Roswell and there's not a lot of places with <laughs> pools that'll just let you go and swim whenever you want. You either have to have a membership or you have to pay a large amount for that membership or something like that. So the one that we were using, my husband and I, when we were swimming, got closed down after COVID. So I guess they didn't make it through COVID and they just ended up closing down, which is a bummer because their pool was always really warm. And it was indoors and it was this long pool that you could just do laps on. So right now, what we just do since we stopped swimming is we just kind of go for long walks. It's a de-stressor too. And the kids like to do it. We always end up at a jungle gym or something like that. So I have two that are under eight years old. So they love doing that too. So we go on a lot of walks. <laughs> that is so wonderful. I know during the pandemic, whenever it first happened, that's what me and my daughter did like multiple times a day is we would just go for walks and yeah. 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 That's awesome. There, there wasn't a lot to do during the pandemic. So I think <laughs> yeah. how the most people like going for strolls. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that neighbor, that neighbor, that neighbor. So it was like, we were meeting all these new people that were leaving the house because it's like that, that was the only option they had was being in the house. So it was good to see. And a lot of people still do it, even though things have lined up a little bit. So it's good to see. And we can, we kept with it too. So it's been good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Is there anything else that you can think of that you would like to mention before we finish up today? No, that's it. I'm just like that one person in Willy Wonka. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> you, I, I thought of that immediately because... We had our, when we had our first meeting, everybody, they know what they're doing so well. And we work as a team very well. But on the first day, I was just kind of that person sitting back and saying, wow, I'm just really glad I'm here. <laughs> so that was me <laughs> right oh, there. Oh, we're yeah. so glad that you are here <laughs> and you're one of us now and you're going to be doing the work that you are excellent at. And we are so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Rochelle. I appreciate that. I do. We want to thank our programs that work tirelessly across the state to support those affected by domestic violence. Each and every staff member, advocate, therapist, and supporter is important. We appreciate you.
If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, there is help available. Please call the hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233 or visit their website on a safe device at www.thehotline.org. Love our conversations? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and share our podcast. You can submit questions and feedback to Rochelle at nmcadv.org. Thanks for listening in.